0: Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hey, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you in another of our series of interviews with top leaders in health IT. And today's guest is Jerry Blass. He's president and CEO of Comply Assistant. Welcome, Jerry.
1: Hi, John. I've seen a lot of your work. Well, great. And I'm really glad to finally meet you. So that's great. Yeah,
0: thanks. Well, I know we've had you a guest article and now this is our first interview. So excited to, yeah. to learn from you. And I think it's one of the most important topics for healthcare organizations these days. But before we dive into the topic, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and comply assistant.
1: Okay, so um, for the last 10 years, we've had a GRC, which is governance, risk and compliance platform. <clears throat> and we have um, also do work with um, audits for healthcare around HIPAA and NIST and all these different okay. frameworks. That's all blended into the platform. So we've been, we've been doing that approach for the last 10, 11 years and we've grown pretty significantly and we've had great help, uh, of course, from uh, our, our friends at 1022, so um, all good.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's become more and more important. Uh, I mean, compliance has always been important in healthcare. You know, it's amazing how old HIPAA is and there's new rigs coming out there. So, you know, maybe that's a topic for another day, but today let's talk about business continuity and how that's really been changing. So what have you seen, you know, changing with uh, disaster recovery and business continuity and and what's really needed for, you know, healthcare organizations today?
1: Right, so you know, it's been an evolution of risk in healthcare to Originally, PHI protected health information. Yeah, and this is going. You if you go back even again to like 2010, you know, as the Affordable Care Act came into place and meaningful use, it was a big migration from hard copy health information to electronic. Right. Yep. Yeah. That alone started. Um, to cause more vulnerabilities and, um, you know, the bad act is the attackers that cause, um, ransomware attacks and bring down hospitals where you then the DRBC comes into play. Yep. So the motivation be, keeps growing, uh, going back to transitioning and migrating from hard copy to electronic cause the attackers to be motivated. In addition, of course, um, with the increase in locations of PHI, with IoT and all, you know, different um, types of devices, uh, mobile devices, and we also the um, the HIPAA Wall of Shame on breaches mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Now, with in the last year, the pandemic caused a really fast migration to remote workforce and and telehealth, that introduced vulnerabilities. Um, <clears throat> so. This just keeps going. It's the evolution of risk. The more locations there are of PHI, uh, the more um, areas that could be vulnerable, threats, uh, vulnerabilities, and then the, the need to implement controls. All of that leads up to motivation. So what's, the, what's been the motivation recently is to have these big attacks with ransomware, usually based on getting in through a phishing attack, and have and bringing down an entire, let's just say we use the term health system, hospital mm-hmm. health system, bringing them down for in relation to DRBC disaster recovery business continuity. You know, if they had a natural downtime, it would it maybe lasted three days, uh-huh. and they had to be prepared to uh, be on manual procedures for three days. Now we've seen where it could t- it, they could be down for thirty days or more yeah and so what it's led into is it goes beyond technology it goes beyond just phi it now goes into business impact which we can talk about more and um so go getting into business impact then takes them into having takes organizations into the point where they have to really make some tough decisions along the way um so being that this is kind of new, the extended downtime, uh, that is the problem being faced today in healthcare is that their DRBC plans are not really up to date. They need to um, review them and they need to update them.
0: Yeah, well, I think you described the problem so well. We've added layers and layers of technology, which mm-hmm. has created layers and layers of vulnerability. I mean, I just wrote an article about CVS uh, possibly having a billion records compromised. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I made the comment, it's like, imagine a billion paper charts being compromised, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, what would it take to do that? Like, but in an in, in electronic world, you can get into the millions and billions really quickly and, and easily. Wow. Which is fascinating. And I think it's also interesting to your point, meaningful use and the adoption of EHRs has really changed the dynamic. I mean, I think about when did I first hear about big disaster recovery stuff? Mm -hmm. It was really about email systems and with like Katrina, right? Like, how are we going to communicate with each other or how are we going to register a patient? But it's gotten so much bigger now with the adoption of EHRs. Is is that kind of what you're seeing as well? Like, from a business priority standpoint, it's just become ex- much more important than, oh, maybe we'll get hit with a hurricane.
1: Absolutely, and and that's what's caused the motivation for the for the bad actors. You know, these these guys, they're not the little, they're not the five year old, not the five, five or ten year old kids yeah. sitting in a basement, right in their grandmother's house in Brooklyn. Yeah. These company, these bad actors are actually organizations that are offering. um, You know, offering a lot of money to folks like PhDs, very smart people that really know how to find the gap in the vulnerabilities. So organizations that are doing a great job with looking at threats and implementing controls and trying to prevent the uh, possibility of an attack. There's also the big human element with phishing, but, you know, the doing that but you know the attackers are able to even with great organizations doing all that yeah. to actually find these guys are like scientists they, they find where the gap is and where they can get in
0: well it's so, like um, i've heard you know the cio ha- or CISO, you know that's protecting has to be right 100 percent of the time yeah the hacker only has to be right once right so it, it, yeah. it's such a right. challenge but yeah. you you commented also that you know there's a need for healthcare organizations to kind of look at their disaster recovery business continuity plans. You talk to a lot of organizations. What are some of the common issues you see that need to be updated?
1: Yeah, so really the number one issue is what happens after 72 hours? What happen, what's the impact on a healthcare organization beyond 72 hours, a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? Imagine being completely down. For That kind of period of time, uh-huh. what happens? So, all things come into play, and, and what they really need to do is to look at their current state of their plan and say, What and, and really have a multidisciplinary team of all the departments nursing, IT, finance, all these different uh leaders they need to be in a room or on a Zoom and talking about what do we do. You know, let's take our current plan. Let's take our incident response plan as well that we currently have. And and consider what does that mean if we're down for 30 days? How much cash flow do we have? How do we pay employees? How do we bill claims to insurance Mm -hmm. companies? You know, the financial impact is so big. And then then they think about what happens if it hits all these medical devices and the ICU is down with medical devices uh, chemo and dialysis machines aren't working. Right. So now with that's, that's the thing about patient safety. It isn't just PHI anymore. It's patient safety. It's patient lives. So now this, now they have to think about, okay, so what do we do? Do we divert patients? Do we not take electives? Do we not do inpatient because we can't really bill it insurance companies <laughs> are not, do not take hard copy claims.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that is funny to think about, right? How far we've evolved in the payment process. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and even if they did, hospitals don't really have um, folks today that know how to do all that coding because it's all done by the EMR. So even if they were able to do it, they couldn't do it because they they wouldn't have the people that knew how to do it. It's all done automatically. Uh, So, you know, there's all kinds of uh, implications there on the timing of what do we do when based on how long this is going. Um, Now it may seem like, well, the simple thing to do is pay the rent. If it's a ransomware, pay the ransom. Okay.
0: Yeah. When would you suggest pay the ransom? And when would you say not, or yeah, what's your perspective?
1: Yeah. So the, so here's a couple of, uh, everything's like a catch 22 when it comes to this Uh, you know, the rants, the attackers are looking for Bitcoin And they're looking for approximately 500,000 these days or more. And apparently hospitals can only get 20,000 a day. Okay. So unless they have built up a supply of Bitcoin, if they got hit today and they started to get their 20,000 a day, that's 25 days right there that they can't make the payment. Yeah. Right. Then there's a list of countries like uh, Iran, North Korea, other countries, that are on a list called OFAC, OFAC, which uh-huh. I forget what that stands for, but I know it's that's the acronym.
0: Okay.
1: It's actually illegal to pay ransomware to um, countries that are on that list. Okay. Okay. So now the first, so now you know you get hit. Now you have to figure out where did it come from. Can we actually legally make it, if we have the money in Bitcoin? Can we make that payment, or is it illegal? And then you then it leads into um, well. We have cybersecurity insurance, but
0: well, it insurance comes
1: companies don't want to make it either because they think, oh, we may be making it to an illegal country that we can't make it make that payment to. So just paying, you know, I hear, well, we're just going to pay the ransomware. It's it's not as easy. Now, from an attacker standpoint, though, if they do get paid, then the question is the fear is, well, if we pay them, they're just going to ask again. Yeah. For more payment. Right. <laughs> They're but what we're being rips. told, <laughs> what we're being told, is that these these bad actors want them to be known as trusted criminals. In other <laughs> words, <laughs> right? So in other words, if um, if they got the payment and they asked for more money, and if it gets around that that happens, then nobody's going to want to make the payment. They want to make money. Yeah.
0: Well, you hear that, but it it reminds me of the uh, hackers who said, Oh, we're going to take a break on healthcare during COVID. And you're like, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you can't trust him in the first place. So (laughs) it it is a scary proposition, right? You know, to pay the ransom, will they actually release it? And, you know, But I think the other question is, what are the other alternatives? You know, I think that the biggest alternative I've heard is having a plan that lets you go to backups or go to a a separate system. Is that what you suggest as well?
1: Yes. And of course, every scenario has certain complications, right? So if a hospital is is totally on premise with the EMR, so then what do they do? They have to have a hot site, perhaps? Yeah. You know, they wanna, first of all, you do have to have, like you said, backups, you know, however that's being done, have a backup and then have a hot site. Right. So that you can expensive. switch over. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, it's expensive. Well,
0: the cloud's helping that. So yeah, the
1: cloud's helping it. And but if you do it on site, then you're investing in all this hardware that's uh, sitting there that's going to eventually become obsolete over time. But you, you, you just have to either do that or. If you do have an on-premise, you know, you know, implementation of an EMR and other, of course, other um, ancillary, yep. then yeah, you go to the cloud, right? So let's say that you want your, your strategies to switch to the cloud, then maybe you can use your existing on-premise as the hot site,
0: right?
1: okay? So really, it really, you know, you're kind of simplifying it nicely because it really comes down to two options. Either you do have a solution that doesn't require paying paying the ransomware, or you pay the ransomware. That's it.
0: Well, I think what's so hard about that decision, too, is kind of what you pointed out. First, that it could happen to anyone. So, you know, like before disaster recovery, you know, business continuity was really site specific, right? You know, yeah. oh, you're near a coast or you're in a, you know, freezing zone, right? You know, yeah. you know, and there were occasional, of course, there were universal scenarios. What happens if yeah. the utility company digs up your internet pipe, right? I mean, we had we had scenarios like that, right? right. Now it's just universally applied that everyone could be hit with ransomware. And gotcha. then the second one is like you know if someone digs up your internet connection, well, you're gonna have a time frame of how quickly that will come back online. or if you get hurt with a hurricane, you know the kind of the time frame. I' mean sure there's you know, some circumstances, but you kind of have a feel that there is an endpoint. Whereas with ransomware, you know, the unknown, is it going to be two days? Is it going to be three weeks? Is right. you know, they, they could sit on it forever, right? And it's, you know, yeah. there's no incentive for them to actually solve it. So I, I think that makes it really hard to make that decision. Is that the big yeah. thing that ransomware has changed in this?
1: Yes. Um, so I, I think it, it kind of boils down to two things. One side of it is to try to prevent it as best you can, like we said before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, like you said, threats of the past are still there, yeah. but, but now it's been upgraded to, you know, phishing and ransomware and, you know, me- taking down medical devices, et cetera, et cetera, patient safety. So what we would, we would, re- what we recommend number one is adopt a great framework. Uh, the government just came out with HICP. You've heard of that. No, I haven't heard. Uh, it's health industry, cybersecurity practices. Okay. And, it, and what it does is it talks about the, the current top, top uh, five threats, of course, mm-hmm. phishing, ransomware is on there, et cetera. Um, and then the top 10 um, re- recognized security practices, which AKA controls. Okay. And they scoped it nicely for small, medium, and large organizations so that you know, a practice does certain things, less mm-hmm. medium, high, so it's really a, a nice cookbook that brings everybody into today's world of trying to prevent risk by implementing practices against threats and vulnerabilities. Um, so I highly recommend that. And, and HICP, it's uh, um, under HHS and OCR. Okay. It's an extension of HIPAA and high tech, And um, it extends it out because HIPAA has not been really updated for cyber. HICP now does that for them. Okay. Great. And HICP is actually, um, really NIST when okay. it comes to the Yeah. So that's, that's the part where, and, and the other thing is if an organization does that for 12 months then they get a carrot versus the stick, if anything does happen, the government says, okay, you've been doing HICP for 12 months. So we're going to mitigate fines. We're going to mitigate any corrective action plan and we're going to end the audit early. So it's kind of a positive incentive instead of a penalty except exception. I mean, um, Penalty uh, type of thing. Um, it's the carrot, uh, so we, we're highly recommending HICP along cool. with HIPAA.
0: Yeah, I, we'll definitely link to that in the notes uh, in the article, so everyone yeah. can check that out.
1: So that that part of it is great, but then, okay, so you do that. <clears throat> when it comes to the odds of getting hit, anyway, yes, because like, like I said, these are genius guys who are finding the gap to get in. It's and you know and they're predicting three times as many attacks over the next like x number of months, right? I'm sure that uh, the leaders of organ of healthcare organizations and of course other verticals, it's not just healthcare, but healthcare tends to be a number one uh, target. I'm sure they're not sleeping at night. I'm sure they're wondering, you know, am I going to get a call at three in the morning that we're all we're completely down? Yes, you know, yes. this is just not good. So. Even if you do the, even if you do great things from a from a risk management standpoint and controls you really do have to take a look at the response plan the DRBC plan and um, you know imp- update it to go 30 to 45 days you know you got to hope it doesn't happen but if it does happen you don't want to then be thinking oh what do we do that should be already thought out so that that's something everybody should be doing now yeah. you know No doubt about it.
0: Sure, Scripps didn't think they'd be down as long as they were, and I know their CEO is calling for, for you know, for us to collaborate together because it is such a massive problem for healthcare. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk about another area of of these people's plan and these organizations plans. And that's really like, when do you notify like the local police and the FBI, you know, what do you suggest in that regard? Like how, when do you involve those other authorities uh, and, and you know, what, what should someone do to make sure they're prepared to do that kind of outreach?
1: Well, I think it's immediate. I think once you know that you are hit by ransomware and you know, there's potential, uh, long-term impact potential, uh-huh. and and also the whole idea of doing it the right way, so that if you do pay, you have approval from gotcha. the FBI to pay. They
0: can help you through that. Yeah, that and makes local, sense.
1: Yeah, so local police to the FBI, uh, get advice from from them, and and that way, if you do make a mistake and you make a payment by mistake to somebody you shouldn't have, well, we you know we we'll talk to the FBI. Right. So they really should do that right away.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think there's a whole section of the FBI for this kind of stuff. So yeah, they're yeah. definitely building up their domain expertise in the same way we are. So it makes right. sense to leverage that. Uh, as you look at your, your customers and you know the, a lot of the healthcare organizations that you talk to, what, what's one piece of advice you'd give any of these healthcare organizations if, if they're looking to just, you know what's the one step that they could take to really make sure their organization's better prepared?
1: Well, I think, I think they really need to uh, take a look. First of all, governance, you know, with GRC, governance, risk, and compliance, right?
0: Uh-huh.
1: The governance part of it is so important. The leadership has to be involved in this. And they have to have probably an outside expert company help them as well. They should be at the table as well on the oversight. Makes sense. And they should be going through all this stuff and the, um, the the healthcare organization itself should be um, part of what's called an ISAO, which is an information sharing and analytics organization, and an ISACA. These are organizations that are up, always up to date on the latest threats and what's going on. And these should be shared because the bad guys are sharing information, the good guys should too. And the folks in governance should know what it is, right? So right. however often they're going to meet, I think it should be monthly. Okay, what's the latest uh, vector, threat vector? What's, what's happening out there? What are we hearing about other um, healthcare organizations? Who got hit, right? What's our current state? They should have a report card on their risk profile. They should, have, they should know as leaders and even like the CFO as far as making funds available. If there's gaps in controls, then they should know about it and they should make decisions on implementing controls. Mm -hmm. right and also gaps on resources almost in healthcare it's across the board almost there's just a um a lack of resources and they you know and and from that standpoint they need to reach out to like a v-ciso type of solution to help the fact that they don't have enough resources so really they have to um put in place an infrastructure of understanding what they need to do first of all from risk management and then you know whether it's the same group of people or there's additional folks to begin to expand their plans, their incident response. And again, I think they should bring in an expert to help them there. Um, Someone who's been working with um, other clients and helping them to do it, to put together the plan. And uh, you know, so the, the plan is not a, it's not a simple plan. In fact, there's even two types of plans. One is called the classic uh, incident response uh-huh. which has the hierarchy going up the ladder down the ladder you know so if something happens you got to go up the ladder and uh-huh. if something happens at 3 3 a.m on a sunday maybe the person at the top is is not uh, awake uh-huh. you know so the so maybe that hierarchy is a is a is an obstacle yeah. in responding quickly M- one o'clock on monday afternoon it might work better but what we're hearing now is there's a new tactical type of approach besides the classic approach. Okay. Tactical means comparison to like a trauma center, right? <clears throat> Someone comes into the ED, they need immediate uh, triage, they need immediate um, care, right? They're on the operating table. Yep. It isn't like the triage nurse has to has to contact the CEO and say, <laughs> "Oh, we have a patient here. Yep. Is it okay that we tr- that we do A, B, C, D, and E?" No, they have protocols that have been defined to take care of that patient. So the granular on the, on the ground folks, who are the experts you know at, that kind of, at what they're doing, have the um, power and authority to make certain decisions right away. So if you translate that into an attack, if, if uh, like even a high, an IT help desk with the expertise to deal with the beginning stages to, of getting things under control, Like, do they have to shut down part of the network? Do they have to do whatever they have to do? They should be empowered to immediately do it. They shouldn't have to wake up the CEO and say, oh, you know, this happened and we have to do A, B, and C. Yeah.
0: Shut your computer down or
1: (laughs) whatever it might be. Yeah. They should be able to just, uh, you know, put go into action right away. And that should be in a procedure that they can do that and that protocol, just like in medical protocol for dealing with ransomware. So I think I think organizations um, aren't there yet. It's a kind of a it's kind of a um, political and you know uh, new whatever you want to call it. It's it's kind of a new idea concept. Right. It's something that isn't easily accepted by leadership. What do you mean? I'm not going to get called right away. <laughs> no? Yes, I will get called right away. I will be aware of it right away. But I think uh, over time the tactical will mix with the classic approach of hierarchy and and they'll have like a hybrid approach on that.
0: That's interesting. I mean I I think to your point though the challenge has always been caring enough about it and making it a priority in your organization. Yeah. Uh, you know I think that's where we've always stumbled on getting the resources we need whether it was hours or dollars, right? Like right. Uh, I I think that's been the problem. Do you, do you see that really shifting? I mean, I I understood why it wasn't a priority. And so you had to have a really good leader who made it a priority because you're like, yeah, well, there's risk, but it's easy to rationalize away why it's less of a priority versus something else. But it seems like that's harder and harder today.
1: Harder and harder to, um, to rationalize away and say oh, oh
0: we can just wait for you oh. know it'll be all right if we you know
1: oh yeah that, that's definitely harder <laughs> today yeah,
0: or the CISO's got it right you know that's what I, <laughs> yeah. I think it used to be we have a CISO so we, we're right. compliant right and you're like no you it's everyone's got to be involved if we want to ensure that we're ready for this type of disaster
1: yeah and you know you're hitting on the politics of it all right you no know, um you know, a CISO might be trying to get the message to the top and having obstacles doing so. But I guarantee you, if it hit, guess who's, guess who's the first guy that gets blamed? A CISO, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just politics. But, you know.
0: And it's amazing how much once you get hit. Oh, yeah, we have however much money you need, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah,
0: like you almost need to be hit to get their attention, which is is unfortunate, but uh, it's kind of the reality, I think, of a lot of these organizations,
1: yeah. And so, um, but I do believe that with some of the recent incidents, um, uh, University of Vermont Health System, they're one of the ones that were down for like over 40 days, diverting patients, right. Um, there's another one in New Jersey, a big health system in New Jersey that was down for at least two or three weeks or four, um, that, that actually impacted like 10 or 12 hospitals in their system. Um, you can imagine that impact, you know, first of all, when, when it's impacting that many, then what do you send the patients? You know, what is it like 200 miles away? Uh, well, you know, and that's
0: the challenge. Many of these health systems are rolling up everything in that area. So if it's down, it might be your whole health system. I, mean, I imagine yeah. in Utah, if inner mountains down, uh, you know, good luck finding healthcare. There's I, a few places I, in Salt Lake, but not too many, right? So yeah. it's, it's definitely a challenge.
1: And the other thing is once it's known, so like I'm a family member, I have a relative in the ICU. Uh-huh. hear about what happened. I immediately want my relative out of that hospital. You know, see that kind of stuff happens too. Uh-huh. It's a nightmare from A to Z, and um, I would say I'd be surprised if there, if there's any leadership anywhere now in healthcare that isn't aware of all this, and isn't worried about it and concerned and probably you know looking to pre- try to prevent yeah. it and also making sure they're planning for it. What if it does happen? What they can do?
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Jerry, this was great. Uh, It gave us some good perspectives on uh, how these things are changing and some some actionable things that healthcare organizations can do. So this is great. And thanks, everyone, for watching. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Jerry.
1: Okay, John. Thank you.